You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production. Hello and welcome to the Southern Stars in the News podcast. My name is Dylan Mangan. In recent weeks, we have seen some anti-asylum seeker protests take place in places like Fermoy in North Cork and Ballymun in Dublin, with far-right groups and beliefs seeming to take a more mainstream place in Irish culture in recent times. On today's podcast, we'll focus on how some beliefs associated with far-right thinking may be closer to home in West Cork than you would imagine, and have been for some time now. I'm joined now by editor of the Southern Star, Siobhan Cronin, who has a piece in the newspaper about her recent visit to Auschwitz and a court case involving a human rights activist and the SSPX resistance, a fringe religious group which broke away from mainstream Catholicism over its belief that the modern church has become too liberal. We'll speak a little bit more about them in a moment, but first of all, Siobhan, could you share what it was like to go to Krakow and visit Auschwitz? Because I imagine a lot of people listening have never been, and I get the feeling that while we all, of course, know the atrocities that were committed during the Holocaust, it's maybe not until you see it with your own eyes that it fully hits home. Yeah, that's right, Dylan. Um, I had been to Dachau uh, a few years ago, which is also, you know, a pretty scary place but I think the extent of what happened in Auschwitz like is just so much more graphic when you go there and you see the size of the site and there's some barracks left and um, quite a lot of them were destroyed but the entrance to the gas chamber and the gas chambers themselves were destroyed but you, you can see the footprint and it's all like it's very well laid out and very well mapped and in fairness to the Polish I mean it's it's in Poland um you know, they have very bravely opened it, I suppose, to the public to, sh- to show what happened there. And we had a, a tour guide, a local woman called Margaret, who had excellent English, but she, like, it just really struck home. She was still so angry all these years later. And even in a way, it's not that long ago. I mean, it was in my, my parents' time, you know, when they were in their, you know, early 20s that all this happened. So when you th- take it in that context... But Margaret was really, really annoyed, you know, when she recounted the stories and she was very well researched and what had happened there. And uh, we were walking around the site. Now, there was maybe six or seven other tour groups going along with maybe 20 or 30 people in each. And like you could hear a pin drop, you know, nobody was saying anything except the tour guides giving their, their talk about what happened there. And we spent quite a few hours there. And even then, we only saw like a tiny percentage of what what was actually there. And she had to kind of pick and choose some of the places she brought us because you just you couldn't cover everything. But like what, what really hit home for me was she said at one point, the amount of people who go on that tour and almost seem to go on that tour to antagonize or to stand in front of her and say, this never happened. What we're looking at here are reconstructions of the barracks or the buildings or the entrance to the gas chambers. And she just said it's just just so upsetting to her to have to listen to that and to have to, you know, defend what happened, well, defend the fact that it is all real. And as she said herself, not one thing that you are looking at here is a reconstruction. She said some of the buildings have been um, just basically, I suppose, cleaned up a little bit and they were in, in danger of maybe collapsing. So they've they've done a small bit of work on them. But she said each barrack costs something like 1.2 million to to even do that um, uh, protection work on. And 
um, like she she was just so devastated. I think about the fact that you know that these Holocaust deniers are just gaining quite a lot of ground, really, and would have the cheek to actually go to Auschwitz, you know, and and make those comments to her face. So she she took me by the arm afterwards because I just said to her, you know, gosh, a fantastic tour, and and you know, you you know, you're doing such a great job here of, of telling telling the story of what happened. And she took me by the arm and she brought me into the shop and she said, you know, don't read stupid books like the boy in the striped pajamas and that stupid film. She said, read the stories of the people who were here. She said, nobody else should be making money out of this except the people who were here themselves. And she like she gave me about ten books, but I took away four. And um, as I say in the piece, I just devoured them on the flight back to Shannon, um, just reading about there were two children's stories or people who had been children there and who remembered exactly what happened and the cattle trucks going there. And, you know, they all thought they were going to resettlement homes is what they were told. You know, the vast majority of them were Jewish and they got on the trains thinking that they were going to arrive in a, you know, a, a, a village somewhere and they'd all have had homes and what they were arriving into was, was Birkenau at the end of the train track they were told walk down there and you'll be showered take your clothes off take your shoes off and you'll be showered and of course when they went in sadistically the SS had had um, fake showers in there and then they closed the doors and gassed them so just to be standing there and seeing that it really you know it, that'll never that'll never leave me and I think it's only one plane journey from Shannon or Dublin and you know everybody at some stage in their lives should really go there to remind them what happened you know not that long ago. Yeah and you mentioned there are people going on the tour and um, standing in front of, of Margaret calling the whole thing a hoax or, or questioning the legitimacy of it which brings us on to um, Richard Williamson who founded the SSPX Resistance and um, just just very briefly a little bit of background on him I guess he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church in the 80s, later readmitted to the church before being excommunicated again in 2009 after he was convicted in a German court of Holocaust denial. And he founded SSPX Resistance as an offshoot of the Society of St. Pius X, which itself once broke away from mainstream Catholicism over its belief that the modern church was becoming too liberal. So his group again is is more conservative again, and um we have a couple of clips that we can play just of of things that he said in speeches uh, in the past. So we can play a few of them now. A woman won't mature without a husband. The sleeping princess is awoken by the kiss of a man. That's what w wakes her up to what her function will be: to marry and to have children and to uh, to populate heaven. That's her function. That's what God designed her for. To have children. Boys need their little backsides to be warmed whenever they do something wrong. They need to be spanked. I believe that the historical evidence, the historical evidence is strongly against, is, is hugely against six million Jews having been deliberately gassed in gas chambers as a deliberate policy of uh, Adolf Hitler. But you say not one Jew was killed? In gas chambers. So there I was no gas chamber? I believe there were no gas chambers. It's incredible to hear somebody 
speaking so brazenly about their beliefs, especially when they are so, such um, controversial ones. And the SSPX resistance have a uh, form or previous form in, in Ireland and, and in West Cork as well. Um, they went up to the Dáil in 2020 to protest against uh, the COVID pandemic and the whole idea of restrictions. And um, what do you think of, of the their uh, behaviour, I guess, in, in Ireland? Well, I think it's quite bizarre. I mean, I remember the, they conducted what they called was an exorcism on the Dáil at the same the, the same day or the same weekend as they had um, a little mass in Herbert Park in Dublin. And it got a little bit of coverage on the news, but kind of fleetingly that this crowd of, and they're always called priests or, or called Catholics or Christians. Like they're not, they're none of those things. They can't be Christian with their views. And they've, they've been excommunicated by the church and they're like a, a schism off a schism off the church. And to think that, you know, we we may, I remember at the time kind of scoffing at the reports of the exorcism, but I mean, we have to take these things seriously. You only have to look at what's happening today in Dublin and around the country. And, you know, those kind of thought processes have their roots somewhere. And the more we we ignore this, carry on, the more that uh, it kind of gives it a bit of um, authenticity. You know, so we do have to be careful at, at laughing at things like exorcisms or... I mean, at, at the mass in Herbert Park, um, Bellini, who is the, the man who owns the property in Rena Screena, you know, he, he can be seen saying, go back to tradition, embrace your faith and be ready to die for it. And these are not videos on the dark web. These are on YouTube, you know. Um, so there's no shame <laughs> from them about what they're saying. It's, it is really quite bizarre. And I just have a really bad suspicion that the reason they're in likes of remote part of West Cork is because they feel emboldened by the fact that it's remote and that people are turning a blind eye you know that's the danger yeah and one person I guess who didn't turn a blind eye to their presence was Fiona O'Leary who is a human rights activist and campaigner who's long spoken out about the presence of the group in West Cork where does her um, presence come into the story well, she has, I mean, uh, Fiona would have had a very strong presence on social media for a long time, and she has seen the value of it to, you know, highlight some of the things that are happening. And uh, um, so I think she was keeping an eye on this crowd for quite a while. And then she discovered that they had bought a property in West Cork. So she doesn't live too far from there. So she went in um, August of 2020 to the site to see what was happening. And I mean, she admitted herself that she probably was a little bit overboard and overenthusiastic. She took a video of what she saw there because, well, firstly, it was during lockdown and she was a bit taken aback by the fact that there was nobody wearing masks and quite a few people on the site. And um, she went into some of the buildings there and she videoed it and put it on social media. So she um, was charged with trespass. So in effect, what happened was Bellini, who was there on the day, asked her to leave and she didn't leave and she continued to take video. And she said she was a member of the press and she um, put the video up on social media and then he rang what he said in his statement was a friend of his in the guards and um, the guards arrived after she left. So she left then and um, she was subsequently charged with trespassing on the property and it was described as a private property. 
but it was also described in, in court as a retreat and, and they were described as priests. So, I mean, in my view, they're a long way from priests and I don't see any element of it being a retreat centre that I certainly wouldn't be too keen on going there for any retreat purposes. So the case was up recently in court and she pleaded guilty to trespass, as well, no doubt about it. She had filmed it herself, proving herself that she had trespassed. And she was given a 60-day prison sentence now. Um, she First conviction, she's no previous, and she's the mother of five children. But was suspended, so she didn't go to jail. Uh, but she was also giving a, a, given a gagging order in effect, which um, she was told that she couldn't go on social media or in any public place, say anything that might offend anybody for two years. That's quite an extensive uh, gagging order for, for someone especially for first offence. Um, so I suppose she feels a bit silenced now, uh, you know, which is, um, you know, regrettable in a way because, uh, you know, she's just, she's trying to highlight what's happening here in West Cork and you only have to turn on your television any night of the week now and look at the news at six o'clock to see, you know, very similar groups. And um, th there are a few quite... Uh, established groups in Ireland now who would be very right-wing would have um, I suppose racist leanings is the only way to describe it and there was a pretty vocal guy uh, who would be very well known in those circles was sitting in the court that day I noticed at the back of the court and um, it was no doubt it was that case he was there for because it was the first case and he left directly after it so it's kind of a bit um, discombobulating I suppose do you think that people like that are, are keeping an eye on these cases? I mean, you'd wonder, you know, if you had any doubts about the connections there, um, you only had to see the people who were interested in, in what was going on in that case to know that, uh, you know, this isn't a, this wasn't a run of the mill court case about trespass. And do you think it's, it's maybe part of uh, a wider trend we're seeing in Ireland at the moment? I know you mentioned there um, kind of, you'd only have to turn on your TV at the moment to see, protests in Formoy and in, in Ballymun and we've seen in both the UK and in America and certain parts of Europe as well kind of more mainstream right-wing groups come into power and for a long time maybe it was thought that, that Ireland was a little bit more immune to um, these opinions and, 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 and these views becoming more popularized but do you think that that is something that is in danger of happening at the moment? Well, I certainly would be very nervous about it. But, I mean, in in our lifetime, Dylan, we saw the rise of of the the right in in America, really, and you can see how divided a country that is at the moment. And there's no signs of that, you know, quietening down anytime soon. But you only have to look then across Europe, and in the last, I suppose, two decades, there has been real growth in the um in the far right and. And um, five countries in particular, I think, um, you know, are a great example of what's happening there. Hungary, Poland, Italy, Sweden and France all have very strong uh, um, representation from the far right to a greater or lesser degree. I mean, Hungary, they're in power there. They're in power in Poland, um, Italy and then Sweden and France are coming along, you know, nicely behind with quite a quite a substantial representation of far right groups in those countries. So you you know, you would have to look at them and say, at the moment, they're for the grace of God, literally. And I think Ireland, um, far right representation is about 1% at the moment in Ireland, but it only takes, you know, a decade or two for that to have a substantial growth. And when you do turn on your television, 
now and see the likes of Ballymun or Dundalk um, or various other places around the country where you know, quite um, sinister elements are involved in these protests now. Obviously, there are some legitimate people there as well. But there's no doubt they've been infiltrated. And that is the rise of the far right in this country. And do we really want to be where Hungary is now in 10 or 15 years time? You know, it's it's all within our own gift at the moment to to put a stop to this. And um, I think what happened in America was that uh, for a long time, that element was seen almost as a kind of a cartoonish element of politics when you think of Trump initially. And those people then became disenfranchised. And as a result of that, they garnered, um, you know, they got together in, in mis you know, misery loves misery. And now we're seeing them making up a substantial element of American politics. And you only have to see the, um, the, the election of, of Kevin McCarthy, who has very sinister views. Um, there recently a speaker so i suppose it's 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 in our gift to decide what way irish politics goes and um you know it's 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 not just uh, dublin it's in our own backyard here in west cork you know we have to stand up and um speak up for for what we think is right that's as good a place as any to leave it i think thank you for joining me today siobhan you're welcome Dylan. so that is the latest on the sspx resistance in west cork for stories like this and more, be sure to pick up a copy of The Southern Star, which is in shops every Thursday and online via our e-paper. Just head to subscribe.southernstar.ie to sign up for our digital edition, which is an exact replica of the paper. So that's subscribe.southernstar.ie, where you can get The Southern Star on your laptop, tablet or phone for less than €2 Euro per week. Our popular Get Active supplement is free with this week's Southern Star. That's out on Thursday, January 19th, and features easy steps to get you on the road to better health, more energy and feeling great in 2023. So be sure to pick up a copy of that in shops or via our e-paper. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, as there will be more to come from all of us at the Southern Star throughout 2023 as West Cork's trusted source of news, views and sport. Clips used today were from a sermon given by Richard Williamson on January 10th, 2021, and a 2009 interview with Swedish television station SVT. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Siobhan Cronin for her reporting. Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local, quality and trusted journalism. Visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie